This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our special guest, Jennifer Hammond. She is a high-energy, inspirational woman who serves her community in numerous ways. She's vice president at TCR Sotheby's International Realty in Washington, D.C. She's a licensed realtor in Washington, D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. She spent 10 years as a host of her Sirius XM satellite radio show and now hosts the Jennifer Hammond podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. She is also a best-selling author and a member of the Happiness Hall of Fame, where she joins some other celebrities in the country. So Jennifer, wow, I'm so happy to have you on today and welcome to the show. I'm so excited. I love your show and I feel so honored to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're going to dive into today's episode is going to be all about how to survive in this market, which we're not sure what direction we're heading in. It could be a slowdown. It could be staying the same for a little bit. As real estate, we, n- we never know, but we're going to be prepared. Whatever this market turns out to be, we are going to be ready to still make the most of what we do as realtors. But before we get started on that, I have to ask our signature question. As you know, we ask all of the guests on the Real View podcast, since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen? And I love this question because I think it depends on where you are in life. But for me, I still go back to my roots. So if you're watching the video, you'll see I'm right next to the southernmost tip of the United States. Um, We are 90 miles from Cuba in Key West, Florida. And Key West is where I grew up. And I would say it's such a neat view from Key West looking out. It's a great view when you're looking at the island from the water. But I would also say being on the island, Key West, you're looking out at Cuba Way back before it was now, you could actually, they did dinner cruises back and forth between Cuba and Key West. And on a clear night, you can literally see the lights of Havana, Cuba from Key West. I think it's so special. It's one of the most unique, special places. It's the most tip of the United States, looking at a completely different country, but just an island nation, a friendly nation most of the time. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've actually heard Cuba's really cool to visit. I had a friend who actually visited last summer and he raved about it, said it, everyone was amazing. And despite what we hear in the news sometimes, I've heard good things about it. And I love 
Key West and love that you mentioned that. You know, I think we're in what, over a hundred episodes and I don't think anyone's brought up Key West before, which is such a cool place. So, <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited that I get to share it because it's my hometown. I grew up from Key West, you know, I graduated from Key West High School and, and it's funny because no matter where I've traveled, a lot of places in the world, I'll tell you, Key West is still so unique. That's where Hemingway wrote so many different books. Again, Cuba's so close. There's just so many unique things about it. There's a little White House that some of the presidents go to over the years. It's Jimmy Buffett. Yes. <laughs> One of my very first real estate transactions. I was working for a real estate lawyer. Oh my gosh, when I was 17 years old. And I remember these documents coming across my desk and it said James Buffett. And I was like, I wonder if he's related to Jimmy. And I was like, oh, Oh, that's his real name. Oops. Oh my gosh, this is Jimmy Buffett. And of course, as I was growing up, he was just some folk singer in the bars. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, he's getting a big piece of commercial real estate for this place called Margaritaville. It's a restaurant. Wow. Oh my gosh. Now like you look at him and he's in commercial real estate. He's selling real estate. He's doing all sorts of stuff in real estate. He is uh, quite an interesting character. So Key West is a very special place. Yes. real estate. That's awesome. I, I I love that story. See, that's why I love asking this question is because we get to stories that who knows that we ever would, would have got to otherwise. So I love that. No, that that's so cool. And who doesn't love a little Margaritaville? I know, I know I do. So exactly. <laughs> okay, so I want to hear a little bit more while we're on the topic of stories and stuff we've come across in our career. I want to hear a little bit more about you, how you got started in real estate, what your career journey has been like, and now all the work you do now as, as a motivational speaker and kind of your brand that you've been able to build. Give me a little background history and insight on you and your career. Well, thank you. I would love to start with Key West because Key West, you know, I was just this laid back island girl. And then I went away to college and I got a, a bachelor's and a master's. My master's is in public administration because I was going to change the world, <laughs> you know, from public administration. I thought that was the best way to make the world a better place. And I came from a, a pretty hard childhood. As much as it was a great laid back island, it was surrounded by a lot of drugs and alcoholism and craziness. So then I ended up getting, I went to work for a politician in the state of Florida and I got recruited to Washington, D.C. And I was like, wow, the big city. I don't know. I'm a little island girl. Don't think that's a good idea. And sure enough, I got up there and I was working for a congressman up there and I was like, oh, this is definitely not for me. Yeah, I won't even go into, like they say, you should probably never see how the sausage is made. You should probably just enjoy eating sausage, but watching how our laws are made just made me really disappointed. And I was just so wide-eyed and innocent that I didn't understand. And I remember I walked across the street to the Library of Congress and I sat there. I'm like, I have all this student loan debt. Now what am I going to do? I have a bachelor's and a master's degree. And then when we got to, we we're looking at all these different careers and we got to R and said real estate. I was like, oh, real estate. I think that'd be a really good idea. Now, I don't know how long you've been in, but it's for me, it's almost 27 years. 1997 is when wow. I got, that's how long ago it was. And back then, I look at some of the funny things. There weren't even digital cameras. I remember no digital cameras. It was very, you had a cell phone, but it was super expensive to have a cell phone. There were so many things that were different. And I remember for me, all I wanted to do was be in real estate investing. I wanted to flip properties. I wanted to develop properties. I wanted to do all that. 
but they weren't super welcoming to women mm. in DC, which you might remember. They're not always so. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to become a licensed real estate agent and let me see how many people I can help buy their first property. So I got addicted and it was such an addiction. I, I didn't even know how much of addiction it was until after probably like my third person, I hadn't bought a property yet. And I was like, so what if we could find a grant for your down payment and then some other kind of grant or second or third or some other kind of fun thing for your closing costs. And at the time in Washington, D.C., there was a $10,000. And it was basically a grant that the federal government would give to anybody who bought in Washington, D.C., because they're trying to bring people into the city. That's not a problem anymore. But back then, it was a real problem. They would work in the city and then, zoom, who comes out at night? Are there vampires? Nobody wants to be in Washington, D.C. after dark. Zoom, outside to Maryland or Virginia, anywhere, but don't be in the city. And so there were a lot of incentives back in the early days, in the, the late 1990s, early 2000s. And so what I did with first-time homebuyers is I taught them how to use all these programs. And that was something that was so exciting to me. I recently got licensed in the last couple of years in Florida. And it's funny because even after all these years, I still love first-time home buyers. And I found out that in Pinellas County, which is in Hillsborough County, those are the Tampa and Clearwater out to the beaches. There are all of these grants, $10,000, $15,000, just all these grants for first-time home buyers. And I was like, people are always talking about how it's so impossible to get into their first home. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. It just needs some research. In Washington, D.C., when I first started, I was like, it was a puzzles. Okay. So what if we put this together with this? And then what if I negotiated and I had the seller pay your closing costs? There was also a program that still exists today, actually in DC called tax abatement. We have this thing called the transfer and recordation tax in Washington, DC, and it's 3% of the purchase price. So mm -hmm. the buyer pays half of that and the seller pays half of it. But with tax abatement, not only does the buyer, think about this as a buyer, not only do you not have to pay that 1.5%, which again, you think about the 1.5 times 300,000 or 200,000, whatever you can afford the first time. And then the seller has to pay their 1.5%, but the government doesn't take it. They actually take it and give it to the buyer as cash. Wow. Whatever they want. And wow. then part of the tax abatement, Five years, you don't have to pay your taxes, your property taxes. Wow. So you don't have to pay your property taxes. You don't have to pay a down payment. Somebody's going to give you 1.5% of the purchase price just because you're a first-time home buyer and the government's going to take it from the seller and give it to you. What? And there was a program also, we had this amazing second for closing costs. And it was a cool second, meaning a second mortgage. So no payments. You don't have to pay any payments on the second mortgage. And it doesn't need to be paid off until you sell the property. If you can get into a property and it can cost you less than what you're renting and then you're building equity. And I had more than one person, probably the one that got me addicted was this girl who had gone similar to me. And I, as part of the reason I had a big heart, she went on for a bachelor's and a master's degree in the thing that she loved to do, which was helping people worldwide. And I believe it was hunger, her charity, but they paid her you know, next to nothing because it was a charity that just didn't have a lot of money, but it was what she wanted to do. So she's like, I'm never going to be able to ever own property because it's too expensive. And I said, well, what if I could show you it's cheaper than what you have? And she came to me a couple of years afterwards. And, you know, obviously the property values had gone up and she had so much equity and she had paid off her student loans. And she said she had found the man of her dreams and she's getting married and she could afford to pay for the wedding. And 
they could travel for their honeymoon. And it was all because of that property. And wow. I just became addicted. I was like, if we could change people's life, wasn't excited about Congress and Capitol Hill and working in politics, but man, if I could change even just one person's life like that, that was like better thanks than, you know, money or anything else in the world was being able to change people's lives like that. You mentioned like just some really cool things about first-time homebuyers and you, you're right. We think this is so out of reach. For so many people, you know, nowadays I hear it all the time, especially, you know, here in Columbus, Ohio, I hear stories of struggling for first, and they're like, is it even possible? Can people even buy homes as first time home buyers? And you just mentioned so many different ways that it can happen, which I think is so cool and why it is still such an important investment. Just maybe requires a little bit of creativity in now day and age. But thank you for sharing a little bit of you in, in your background. And I can see how you got hooked and how that feeling of giving this dream to somebody that you've helped made happen would be very much addicting. It, it would make you want to just do it over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, and it's so, and you said it so well, is it's just being creative and truly, like I used to, I used to tease people, okay, you can get this money, but that means that you're actually going to have to do your homework. And then sometimes the person that you're talking to, if it's a, a city program or a state program, you got to think about, they've got this stack of folders. And I used to say, so you might want to bring them flowers or bring them fresh baked cookies so that your name gets to the top of the folder and then you get approved sooner if you're motivated and that's what you want. But again, it's just about being creative, knowing it can happen. And there's lots and lots. The world has so many people who are interested in doing something that creates good in the world. You know, you just got to remember to keep looking because if somebody says no, that doesn't mean the answer to whatever your question is no. You just might have asked the wrong person. What do they say when one door closes? Don't wait for another one open. Go find another one that's open. Like, yeah, that's so true. How do we keep that everlasting through whatever market challenges, opportunities exist? But I think we should start at the beginning. You know, where does the market stand today? Is this a challenging market? What should we kind of be thinking about when it comes to where the market and real estate stands today? I hate to say the answer is it depends. So we're in 2023, but it depends. Like, so I'm licensed in Washington, DC, Virginia, Maryland, and now Florida. Wow. And I couldn't believe when they got me licensed in Florida, you're licensed in the entire state from Key West Mm -hmm. Tallahassee, all through the entire state. But of course, the answer to your question is, it depends. Just Mm -hmm. like in Washington, D.C., I used to laugh when people say, well, you can't buy a house for whatever amount, 200,000 or 300. I'm like, well, it depends because it depends on what location it's in. Mm -hmm. In Washington, D.C., there are locations. It just might not be the location that you want to live in. But let's think about it. What is important to you In Washington, D.C. right now, depending on your price point, I've been working in all sorts of, a lot of luxury real estate where you're looking at the three to $4 million range. And you're like, wait a minute, it hasn't been on the market 48 hours and it has three offers. Okay, we're in 2023, but you go to a different price range. Now we're in like seven to 900,000 in Washington, D.C., in the same area. And all of a sudden that's on the market for three, four weeks. And you're like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any logical sense. You wouldn't think it was exactly what was happening. And yet 
That's why I say it depends because I want to say the devil's in the details, the drama's in the details. <laughs> and the same thing with, as you go out to Virginia or Maryland, and it goes back to all of the aspects that are important to somebody. Now, it used to be people would say, well, it's I need to be close to the public transportation, like the metro, or right now in Washington, D.C., we have all these bike paths. So I want to be close to the bike paths, or in Florida, I want to be close to the water. Well, now we have this thing called the pandemic. But now things are much more like, oh, I'll get Amazon delivery, or I'll get my groceries delivery. So it's not so important that I'm in, uh, as they used to call it, the quote unquote food desert. Like if I don't have a grocery store, it doesn't matter. I can now get my groceries delivered to my house. So I don't care. So now what's important to people and what makes an area have multiple offers is very different. A lot of it has to do with the home. So if you are a couple and you have some children, is there room for the children to do their schooling, do homeschooling if they need to? Is there room for them to have all their friends over in the basement? Or is there a big backyard for them to do that? Because more and more people are able to work from home or at least work from home two or three days a week. What the needs of a house or a home, wherever it is, is so different. So part of it is, and similar to what we already talked about with the first-time homebuyer programs, to be able to understand the market as it is right now, it's different every week and every yeah. single area is different, but it's different also in the price ranges that you're in. And it's different depending on who is your buyer. Mm-hmm. Are they looking for, and here's their list, what is important to them might not be important to others. And of course, just like I was talking about, when there's multiple offers, okay, now we've hit things that a lot of people want these same things. And a lot of that resulted from the pandemic. People now, well, okay, if you have a couple, each one of the couple want to be in a different room because they might have different Zoom calls going on at the same time and they want to be able to hear people. And then they might have their children doing some homeschooling over in a different one. And now you you have two or three kids and now everybody needs a place where they can be soundproof. Yeah, that's the way it's always been. You know, the more that I've looked at it in each area, I have one of the best examples I know in Washington, D.C. When I first got there, I was fascinated by having an area in D.C. called DuPont Circle in DuPont Circle in the same block, city block. But in the same block, you could have two condo buildings and those condo buildings were completely different prices. Like a one bedroom at one could be like three, 400,000. And the other one is like 700,000. And you're like, what? I don't understand how that could be so, because you think location, location, location. And Mm -hmm. that's true to a point. But the other nuances of condo buildings are, well, how high are their fees? What kind of amenities do you get? Is that building known for good management? Or does that building, is it known for having not good construction? And so there's always new repairs. So it depends on where it is. I can say it's almost like a good quality product of a home is always going to be the one that sells fastest because people do recognize quality, whether it's the quality of the doors, the quality of the windows, the quality of like, even at your front desk, if you're at a condo building, do you have a front desk where they're like, hi, it's so good to see you. They have an attitude of service, then they love you. Or they're just sitting there bored, stiff, wishing that they were off already. And they're just looking at their watch and they're like, barely even make eye contact. 
again, what is the vibe on the feeling of that particular place? Building the building, it creates value or it takes away from value, depending on all of these little nuances. And they're not nuances that you necessarily, if you're looking at in the MLS, that you're going to see because they're not talking about, well, they're noisy neighbors or that one's known for really bad management or the HOA board is like a horror board where people are power hungry and you can't even get a renovation when you need a renovation approved. Oh, dear. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Home sellers can be sued by buyers, even if they did nothing wrong. When a seller gets sued, so does their agent and broker. And that's just not fair. Home sale lawsuits don't happen on every transaction, but when they do, they can be devastating. Seller's Shield is so proactive, we resolve 94% of our clients' disputes before they become a formal suit, keeping everyone out of the courtroom. Protect yourself with Seller's Shield and get the peace of mind you deserve. Yeah, no, all those things are, are so important to think about. And one of the things that you're known for and that I loved hearing about you when I was reaching out to ask you to join me on this episode is just your positivity and that importance of that kind of mindset, regardless of whatever we're going through. And, you know, you mentioned it depends. We don't know what the market is going to be like. It could be different. You know, if you're selling real estate in Columbus versus you're selling real estate in Cleveland and Dayton and Cincinnati. And I think that is something that's so important. And I, and I want you to talk a little bit about how, despite whatever is going on, I mean, we just came through a pandemic and that was a lot on everybody. But despite what we may go through, despite what the market may or may not be, talk to us about mindset and how you keep that positive energy and maybe share some advice for realtors to keep that positive mindset no matter what happens in our current market conditions. So I'm known for my yay (laughs) positive attitude. And part of it, I think, came from my childhood was pretty tough in a lot of ways, but I was on this little island. And for some reason, I always decided, even very young, that I was just going to keep looking at the silver lining and, and not to go deep into my childhood. But then when I got to become an adult, and like I said, I got to DC and I was like, wait a minute, I have all the student loan debt. And now I realize I don't want to work in politics. Oh, dear. Now we have another huge transition in my life. And, and then I got out into the field and I was like, well, how am I going to convince people I'm a 20-something-year-old and they're going to trust me with their biggest financial decision of their life? what property they're buying. And I haven't even bought any property. And I was like, oh dear. And so one of the first things I did to stay positive was I tried to change my viewpoint. And and this is one of the tips that I I try to teach is change the viewpoint. And so first I started thinking, if I were going to hire a real estate agent, because I'd never done that before, I was like, okay, now I've gotten into a field licensed and I've never used a real estate agent. So I don't have any experience, but if I were going to hire a real estate agent, what would I want them to be like? And so I changed to being the buyer. 
I would want them to be very knowledgeable. I would want them to know and be able to even anticipate, well, what if you knew about down payment assistance programs or other grants or other things like that? So I went and I learned and I learned how to do that. And then I learned how to help people. But the other one was, I was so blessed. I'm was helping a first-time home buyer. <laughs> sure, she's so amazing. And she had said to me, she called me and she said, hey, Jennifer, I would like to interview you. And I said, oh, that's, that's such a good idea. I think that everybody should interview the real estate agent. And she said, but very embarrassed. And I said, embarrassed? Well, why would you be embarrassed? And she said, my dad wants to come to the interview. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And now yeah. I... My dad and mom got divorced when I was really young and my dad was not around for many things, certainly not for buying my first property. And I was like, but you're so lucky. You should, you should let your dad come. And she's like, and you could tell that if she was trying to be very independent, I think she probably, if you, if you could have seen her, she was stamping her foot, but this is my decision. He doesn't get to decide. And I was like, oh, I said, we can put him in the corner of the conference room and you just need to know it. I do believe it's your decision. And then she goes, my mom wants to come too. I said, oh my gosh, you got to let them both come. I love that. And I was like, and she went, and I thought it was so funny because again, our viewpoints were so different. Talk about shifting viewpoints because my mom could have cared less for me ever buying anything. And she always said that I was going to be a failure, that I was never going to succeed. And and I was like, oh my gosh, if your mom and dad are supportive, I said, I promise we can put them in the corner of the conference room. And it's your decision, not theirs. But I think it's so nice that they want to be a part. So I convinced her to let her mom and dad come. And it was so cute because then I found out he is very famous radio talk show host and has been an advocate for so many years. And I, I just loved the fact that she had this such strong personalities of a mom and a dad. And yet she she wanted her own independence to make her own decision and all this. So it was really much, so much fun. I had such a great time taking her through the whole process. And she did all of her homework assignments. I said, now I need you to fill out this application for your $10,000 and for this, for the down payment, all the things. She did everything. And when she finished, I was so excited. And then her dad came to me and said, I've never ever, he said, I bought a lot of real estate. I've never met a real estate agent like you. He said, you actually really care about your, your people. I was like, yeah, I said, of course I do. And then he said, so I think you need to come on the radio. And I was like, oh no, I'm an island girl. Like I was, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable with that idea. But long story short, I ended up getting a radio show. And I tell you that story because Then I was on the radio for a couple months, probably about three months, and I'm hosting my own show. I've never hosted a show before. That's another reason I can admire you and what you do is because I know what it feels like as you're going through and you're growing. Here I am live on Sirius XM with millions of people listening, and I'm like, oh, and the people at my office, my own real estate office, were not supportive Mm. at all. They were like, why are you on the radio? There were guys who were like, well, at least you got a face for radio. And I was like, wow, nice. I don't know why you're doing that. And and they were like, that's really a waste of time. And I'm like, yeah, but the reason they talked me into doing it is because they said that it could help people. And I thought, well, I want to do it if it's going to help people. But I also didn't want to do it if it was just going to not helping and it was just a waste of time. And so I was really rattled about it. And I had decided, you know what, after a couple months, that's it. I'm I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do radio anymore. I mean, teaching people about real estate, I mean, it just really didn't matter. And then 
I got this phone call out of the blue. I pick up the phone, I'm, I answer the phone, and this woman says, thank you for saving my life. And I thought, oh goodness, I hope she means that figuratively. She continued and she explained basically that what she had learned on my radio show gave her the knowledge she needed to save her house. And she said, I will eternally be thankful for you and for your radio show, Jennifer Hammond, because you changed my life. You taught me to fish rather than just handing me a fish. You, you mm-hmm. gave me skills that I will use not only for my lifetime, but for my, my children. And that was it. Again, just mm-hmm. the home buyers. I was addicted. I was like, are you kidding? I don't care how many people tell me I'm ugly. I don't care how many people tell me I'm not supposed to be on radio. I don't care. I am, if it helps as one person, just like saving one life, Oh my wow. gosh, that was when I changed my my thing. And and when she said that, all it started, it just started popping out the yay. Because I was so excited to think that the knowledge that I could share would mean so much to somebody that it could be, again, I could never have possibly believed that it would save a life. But mm-hmm. when I you think about it, it's somebody's home. And mm-hmm. if you're losing their home, and where they are, if they don't understand it. And unfortunately, I believe one thing I've learned from talking to so many people is that we are so often under an, uh, an umbrella of shame. We don't know something. And instead of just being like, I don't know where I was supposed to learn how to understand a mortgage or where I was supposed to have learned how to buy real estate so that I don't make a bad decision. But people don't feel comfortable asking the questions. And so I love encouraging people, ask a question. And if you didn't understand, ask me again. And don't feel stupid about it because it's something I do every day. If you were asking me about heart surgery, I would be asking you a gazillion questions and I would ask you again and again and again because it is really important that you understand and not that you just nod your head and try to be polite. That's the thing that I I love is being able to create that safe space for people, including when someone asks you a question and I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to, and sometimes they ask me a question that's about accounting or about legal, and I'm like, we're gonna have to ask a different professional. But sometimes when it's something that maybe they think I should have known, I'm like, well, I'm not all knowing, <laughs> but I am all researching. So we will research it and we will figure it out and we will keep asking questions. But also, I always tell my clients, this is a team sport. There is no way one of us can do this alone. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. We need lenders. And I I used to call it the yay team. You need to build your yay team. And that needs to be a mortgage guy that you can really help you have yays. You need an appraiser who helps you. You need a home inspector that helps you. You need all these different people, but they have to be people that create yays in your world because if they don't and they just confuse you or they upset you, then you need to go next and find the right one for you. That's so important. That's that's such a good bit of advice. And I love what you said too about just being that go-to person for your clients. I think that is what really sets apart realtors and the work that we do. We don't have to be the expert on every single thing, but we can call somebody that is and get that answer back to our clients. And I think that's so cool and so valuable to our clients. And that's what makes us as realtors who we are that helps us really provide an excellent quality service for our clients that we work with. Any other bits of advice or or things that you would recommend, you know, to, to really bring that value through when we're working with our clients? Well, and that's, I think what you just said is really the key part is helping 
communicate your value to somebody. Every time I run into like somebody who's a for sale by owner or somebody who's like, I don't see the importance of a real estate agent or someone who is arguing with you on what amount they should pay. And I kind of laugh and I say, okay, so will you help me understand what your viewpoint of a real estate agent's role is to help you? Because I have had, especially I want to, if I could wildly overgeneralize with like, especially the 20 somethings of this day, they're like, oh, well, I don't need a real estate agent. I got websites. I can find the properties myself. I got, you know, they got all these little say technological, I got an app for that. I got an app for this. I got it. I don't need any real estate agent. I'm like, okay. So what do you think a real estate agent's role is and what would their value or not value be? A big part of that is communicating. Like as a listing agent, why is it important to price a property correctly right off the bat? If you underprice it, especially in different markets, and I can't say all markets, but if you underprice it, you might end up with 10 offers that would be way over where somebody had thought their property was ever going to sell for. Again, I remember this old, old real estate agent. Now, which is funny. I wonder how old he was at this time because I was 20. It's funny how you think people are so old when you're 20. Yeah. <laughs> I was 20 something. And I remember this old guy, he was one of the, um, he retired very soon after that. So I think he was probably in his seventies, but he said to me, I was complaining. I was one of my, I probably my third deal. And I was complaining about some problem that had come up on the real estate home inspection. And, and he started laughing at me. And I, I was so offended. Like, why are you laughing at me? And he said, because why are you paid? And I said, well, because I'm a real estate agent. And he goes, but why? And of course I didn't have the answer. And he said, because you're the problem solver, because you solve the problems. And I'm like, but, and then I was like, well, yeah, I, I that's what I do. That's so cool. No, I love that. And that's, that, that is, I think that is the perfect way to sum up today's episode is just be the problem solver. Do everything. We've done some focus groups and things with consumers and why they hire realtors. And someone said to deal with all the crap that I don't want to deal with. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so true. You know, like that's really what our, where our value comes in. And then also, like you said, just hearing and really wanting to make that home ownership a reality for our clients, I think is the core of what we do as realtors, that expertise, what we bring. And then yes, solving people's problems and dealing with the hard stuff that the average person that knows nothing about a home, you know, wants to deal with it. And that's what we're here for. But Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. This was so amazing. Thanks for sharing your personality, your joy with us. I know it's infectious and I know our listeners will will feel that too. So thanks so much for joining me. And thank you for what you do. And thanks for spreading all of this good information. It is so important. I I really appreciate you. And I look forward to next time. Me too. Um, And to all of our listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be talking to you again next week. See you guys soon. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen have questions, comments, or suggestions, we want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.